Hello everyone, Rob Guest from Football.London here and welcome to the latest episode of Gold and Guest Top Tottenham, sponsored by NordVPN. Alistair Gold joining me as ever. Ali, how are you? Yeah, good. We've actually kind of had a quite a busy international break compared to normal ones where you can see the tumbleweed blowing by. Um, hopefully nothing negative. We'll find out at the press conference today, but seemingly just a, a busy kind of almost fruitful international break, but quite frankly, still desperate for the Premier League to return this weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's only been a fortnight, but it just seems to have dragged on forever. But I'm sure everyone's just counting down, you know, the hours now until tomorrow's game against Sheffield United at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. First up, we're going to discuss Tottenham's 25-man Premier League squad for the 23-24 season. You've probably heard on here we've been discussing this quite a bit. Uh, Obviously, Spurs have had issues when it's come to their uh, non-homegrown players in the past. And I'd probably say two weeks ago, we were thinking, well, there's going to be a couple of players here who Ange Postacoglu is going to have to cut from uh, the squad that he submits to the Premier League. But following a late flurry of transfer movement with... A number of loan exits, Davinson Sanchez uh, making their permanent move to Galatasaray. Spurs, I mean, it was pretty straightforward decision in terms of the 25-man squad because they didn't need to cut anyone in the end. Uh, the list had to be submitted by Wednesday. Tottenham have obviously submitted the list and I think the most notable thing from that is Hugo Lloris has been included. Obviously, there's question marks over whether he would or not because he's not sealed a move away from Spurs despite you know three months ago now stating that he wanted to leave the club but Lloris has been included uh so Ali for you a surprise uh I think it would have been maybe a week or two before but let's be honest it's it's one of those where you've got enough spots why not just register a World Cup winning goalkeeper who has been your number one for 11 years. He might not play. He may just be a background figure until January. We don't know how it's going to shake up. Hopefully, Ange will tell us a little bit more today at the press conference. But ultimately, it came down to a straight shootout, really, between him and Brooklyn Lion Fosters, the younger, uh, the young, uh, versatile 22-year-old centre-back slash defensive midfielder has been this season so far for Premier League 2 side. Um, and you're going to pick Larice. let's be honest. It's like, uh, I've seen, <sighs> Twitter likes to do outrage, doesn't it? I've seen people saying, he shouldn't be anywhere near the club. He said he wanted to leave and all this sort of stuff. The guy's given 11 years service to Spurs. A move didn't happen. If he, if I would always have someone of his experience and quality in my squad, if I had that one space option, to, uh, one space open to do it. Um, like I say, he may not play. I, I do take that there's an element of um, the captaincy thing in terms of you've got Son, Madison, Romero now, and now technically in the background, you've got Lloris, uh, Hoybier and Dyer all kind of still there, but not involved in the leadership of it, as it were. But I would look at those three and I don't see bad professionals. I don't see people that are going to cause a problem. I know there might subconsciously be the odd little gripe if they're not playing but I can't imagine the three of them are going to be the kind of people that will kick up a big fuss I think they know that you know 
fair play. If, if Postacoglu wants the team to play in a certain way, he wants certain leaders, that's that. Lloris can't complain, because like we just said, Lloris said he wanted a fresh challenge, didn't choose a move. Hoybier, just no move really came for him. And Eric Dyer um, only wanted a lone move, really, this window, and none came in for him of, the, of, of any note. So I don't think they can have any complaints about their situations which you would hope would also translate into just being experienced head for the team. But yeah, with Lloris, I think it kind of ended up being a bit of a no-brainer. Um, and then we revisit the situation in January. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. I think if there's a spot available, then you include him. If, say, if Davinson Sanchez was still at the club, then Lloris would be the uh, player to be left out. But Absolutely. especially when... Alfie Whiteman's injured at the moment and recovering. I think it was what surgery on his ankle uh, following yeah. pre-season. They do uh, have five goalkeepers, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, people have pointed that out. But you've seen it before at clubs where they have a goalkeeping crisis, the number one will be injured, the deputy will come in, and he'll, he might pick up an injury. So I think you've just got mm. to cover yourself because, I mean, Brandon Austin's not made his senior debut for Tottenham obviously played in pre-season friendlies, but if you were in a situation where Vicario's injured, Forster is, then I think you'd want Lloris in the goal rather than Brandon Austin. second or third? Uh, Third for me. Okay. Yeah, I'd still stick with Fraser Forster. I mean, Lloris has said, obviously he wants to move from the club and I don't think it's a good look or it'd be fair on Fraser Forster if now Larice is included in his 25-man Premier League squad and then automatically just moves back up to, you know, second choice. I, I Even think if that's, he's one of your highest earners? I would still go with Forster as second choice. I think that's the right thing to do. And yeah, I mean, we'll find out uh, tomorrow at 2pm when the team news is confirmed. But for me, Forster should be second choice. And if... You know, Vicario's injured or suspended. Foster is Foster starts. I think I think that's the only right thing to do. But Larice, yeah, if he might get a place on the bench if there is an injury to Vicario, but that's one thing we'll have to wait and see. I think I think Postecoglou will do what you think. Yeah. I think I think uh, he will probably think. Larice wanted to go, you know, you technically, I'm registering you in case of an emergency, but that's it. Personally, I would probably put Larice on the bench only because I think he's a better goalkeeper. And then that's no slight on Fraser Forster, who is a very, a good goalkeeper, but I just think Larice is just a little step above. I know people kind of have gripes about things he's done is maybe his footwork at times and, and games where he hasn't like helped out Spurs, but there's so, so many games when he has helped Spurs out and saved them matches and points and things like that over the years. I would, do you know what? There's also a part of me, whether it's just a very, like um, a sentimental side, I'd like to see him have a goodbye game just to have, because that was my only thing about 11 years of service to the club. Had he gone out the way he'd gone out and Newcastle being his last game would have been a bit disappointing for me. I mean, let's be honest, in an ideal world, we don't want him to have a farewell game because it means that something's happened to Vicario. Um, but you never know, maybe January uh, and a FA Cup game, perhaps, I don't know. But uh, yeah, personally, I would be slightly happier turning to Larice as my backup than I would for Forster. Um, I think Forster's got a lot of good things going for him. I just, 
still think Larice maybe in the Postacoglu system, sweeping up behind a high line, maybe is slightly better. Yeah, well, like I said, we'll find out 2pm tomorrow and then over the course of the season. But I mean, Lloris could be on the move in January, potentially, if, you know, uh, an an option. Yeah, if an option comes his way. But for now, he is part of the 25-man Premier League squad. Other than Lloris, I mean, it was pretty obvious in terms of who he was going to be picking the saw. The you wouldn't think so from social media. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, saw some of the comments on social media about Eric Dyer's inclusion in the squad. <laughs> but I mean, come on. I mean, they're short enough on defenders already. You're not going Can to you imagine? Yeah, leave Eric Dyer out and then just have this defensive crisis in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, no, well, They would to... be the same people that would moan saying, I can't believe you left yourself so short. <laughs> yeah. You've only got two 18-year-olds on the bench. <laughs> like that. You've, you've got to cover yourself. And I know yeah, Eric Dyer's yeah. not been in the matchday squad in the first five games, but uh, he could come in now, potentially. Uh, you yeah. need that option. You need cover. Like I said, already so short on centre-backs following Sanchez's move and the failure to bring in another centre-back before the Premier League transfer deadline. Don't make things even more difficult for yourself. So other than that, I think uh, it was pretty straightforward. Some names not on there. Pape Metasar, Destiny Doggy, And the reason for that is because they're clusters under 21 players. But having a look at the Premier League rules, it looks like Pape Matasai can be classed as a homegrown player from next season. Uh, basically, the Premier League define uh, a homegrown player as homegrown player means a player who, irrespective of nationality or age, has been registered with any club affiliated to the Football Association of the Football Association of Wales for a period continuous or not of three entire seasons or 36 months before his 21st birthday or the end of the season during which he turns 21. Saturn 21 uh, yesterday, and this is the third season he's been registered as a Tottenham player. He was at Mets for the 21-22 season, but he was still registered as an under-21 player was on the list last season and he's on the list this season. So that means he will have done three seasons as a Spurs player. So I think that will come as a boost to have him as a homegrown player. Absolutely. I think we should do a separate podcast where you just read out Premier League and <laughs> FA rules. <laughs> just no. just a load of them each episode. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's a terrific thing because it is something that Spurs... I was trying to think of the last foreign player that did that for Spurs. It must have been a while. Uh, I can't think for Spurs, but Arsenal have certainly benefited from the rules in terms of Gabriel Martinelli and William yeah. Saliba. Saliba, Saliba yeah. had three seasons on loan back in France uh, following his move to Arsenal. Rule, isn't it? When, yeah. when you apply, despite the fact that you're not in the UK. Yeah, I know. Uh, but I mean, that's the benefit of these rules. They can register him as an under-21 player and then... After his three seasons in France, he came back, I think made his first appearances for Arsenal last season. He was classed as an under-21 player in this season. Both he and Martinelli are homegrown, so make use of the rules. Absolutely. I mean, there's it kind of does raise the prospect of next summer, Spurs being able to go foreign player mad because obviously he then doesn't come into the... Um, 
into the the thinking when it comes into the uh, the foreign player spots. The doggy won't be old enough yet anyway at that point. Brian is Brian Hill. What list is he on? Is he he's now in the main list, isn't he? Brian Hill is the main list. Destiny of Doggy will be on the main list uh, next season. It's his last. Oh, it will really? be his last is year he... as under twenty one because oh, he turns 20, tw- yeah. twenty one in November. Right. Okay. So those two aside, um, you'll have likely Larice Dyer. Um, maybe Hoybier, depends how the season yeah. unfolds. Um you're gonna get a load, I think, out the door. Yeah, it could it it could end up that Spurs, yeah, have a two or three short on the foreign player list, which will be something that we've uh, what we're we gonna talk about <laughs> most weeks. <laughs> we spent so much time discussing. Oh no, they're not gonna make it this time. Um yeah, I, I think that's that's a very if it's if you can use the rule to your advantage, why not? And uh Hopefully, Papa Matassar is a Spurs player for many years to come. And having him as a homegrown player, despite the fact that, you know, he's a Africa Cup of Nations winning Senegal international, is, is a very handy kind of use of the rules. Um, and I think he's going to be a bit of a superstar as well. Do you see Pedro Porro, because it was his birthday, wasn't he? Calling him star, they all call him Starboy, don't they? All right. The okay. Yeah, okay. Starboy. Um, because you could just tell how good he's going to be. Although I am intrigued when Bentacur comes back. Whether I still think that f- that three will be in full strength will be Benton Kerbasuma and um, Madison, but yeah, Papa Madison is going to be he is going to be a star boy. Yeah, right. We'll move on now, and something what has been in the headlines this week uh, is Richarlison. Obviously, he's been on international duty with Brazil. He's been speaking to the uh, media back in his home country, and he's opened up on what has been. A bit of a tough time for him uh, off the pitch over the past few months, but uh, I think he says that, you know, things are right at home, but what he's going to do now upon his return to England is uh, seek psychological help and speak to a psychologist just to work on his mind and get himself in the right place and come back stronger. And hopefully that will benefit Tottenham in the long run. Ali, I mean, you were covering this story, I think it was Wednesday, when it broke, uh, what did you make of the comments? And I think we've got to say it's probably a step in the right direction. The, the fact that he sees that there's an issue there and he wants to fix it. I think it's hugely positive. Hugely positive. The way he was talking. I mean, first off, let's let's be clear. He said the he thinks the issues are behind him. Um, but I love the fact that he is still saying, but I need to go and speak to someone. Just process it all and make sure it is kind of, I'm, I'm all good with it. And just any kind of mental health issues that might still be there are, are sorted. And that's it's such a huge thing, just removing this silly stigma from just talking to people. It's just like, it's, just, it's the most obvious thing, yet sometimes seems the, like, the strangest thing for people to comprehend. Yeah, I think there's now an acceptance of it not being strange at all, it being something that such, should be such an important part of life. Um, and be so, you know, there's so fewer people I think would be struggling if they could just make that first step. And I think having the Delhi Alley interview, I know this is a very different situation, but Delhi speaking about it a month or two ago, um, and now Richardson coming out, and all of Brazil, all the young people in Brazil, young players, whatever, hearing him saying, "Yeah, no, I'm going to go and get some psychological help, just just kind of clear my mind and just just get myself kind of fine tuned in a way," you know. Bit, bit like it's not, it's not different to like going in for an MOT for a car, but doing it for yourself, just getting yourself 
right. It's not always about you know the physical side of you. It's about the mental side as well. Um, and I think that's it's a massive thing for him to do for, like I say, to set an example, but also just mainly for himself, just go in the right direction. If people aren't aware, what appears to have happened with Richarlison is that um, in his quotes, he says about uh, like so people leaving him um, that maybe were only in looking after his money and things like that. The Brazilian media reported that this uh, gentleman that was his, uh, I don't know how to describe it, almost like a financial advisor slash agent who'd been with him since he was very young, right at the start of his career. And looking back at stuff, they looked to have been very close. Richarlison would live with him and his family and everything very much kind of side by side throughout his career. They've parted their ways and they've gone in their different directions. And it's just, I think the last five months have been a bit of a... I just, I guess, a shock to his system for Richarlison. He's had this constant in his life who suddenly isn't there anymore. And obviously, it seems to be a little bit acrimonious by the way he talks as well. Um, and yeah, that's that's it's another example of, and it's, it applies to us, the media, as much as it does the fans, of not knowing what's going on in the background with people um, and things that are happening in their lives. That as much as, like Richarlison saying, my happy place is being on the pitch it still can impact you and you don't even realise it's impacting you. Um, and he said um, that, that when we saw kind of images of him looking upset on the bench after the first game Brazil played, it was to do with that. He said it just all kind of hit him in one go while he was sitting there and, and he'd just been taken off. He was down probably because of that as well and just everything kind of caught up with him and that was why he looked so sad on the bench. Um, but yeah, massive kind of positive step forward. I'm sure Postacoglu will be asked about it today as well. And let's be honest, if you want any kind of manager to be there to help guide and push someone like this in the right direction, it's Ange Postacoglu. Um, this is not to say that Antonio Conte would have been horrible for him, horrific or anything, but we we know from the quotes from Richarlison that Conte had had some different methods with him let's put it that way um and i don't think they always saw eye to eye and wasn't there something about him making him apologize to the whole squad or something things like that there was there's a strange one wasn't it where it kind of yeah embarrassed him in front of the whole squad essentially something like that i remember him saying postacoglu he's not going to be that kind of guy he's just going to very much concentrate on the player concentrate on getting him in the right headspace along obviously with the psychological help um, and you do wonder, and I'm sure the clubs do have stuff like this, but you do wonder, is it a staple of clubs now? Do they have someone there that talks to them? I remember way back when Pochettino was there, he was asked about, I can't remember who it was, what player it was, but he was asked, do the club employ a psychologist, someone to talk to the players and really kind of take them through mentally? Like, I guess it was more about getting a winning mentality and not letting defeats get into you more than anything outside the club. Um, and he was like, no, 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 my, myself and my staff are experienced enough to kind of deal with that. And he kind of, I think all of us in the room at that point was like, eh, are you really? <laughs> it kind of feels like something a real expert should be dealing with. Um, I watched a show called Billions. Um, and in that, you probably don't watch that, do you? No. No, I yeah, I imagine. Uh, within that, it, it's all set in the kind of like the business world. And as part of this big business, they have an on-site therapist slash motivational lady who kind of does exactly that sort of stuff kind of g's up people motivates them but also talks about the thing that's wrong in their life and and you do kind of think to yourself surely all premier league clubs in today's world would have someone like that uh and i'm sure that will 
come out of the press conference today. I'm sure someone will ask. If they don't, I'll probably ask it. Um, but you would think as part of the modern game, just to make sure it's it's almost as important as the physios are for the physical side. You probably need someone making sure that these guys are and ladies are mentally tip top and ready to go into matches as well. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see what Andy says. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I don't think he'll start tomorrow against Sheffield United. I think it'll be an option off the bench and I'm sure if he does come on he'll get a huge huge reception from everyone inside Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and hopefully he can uh, grab himself a goal because that would be very nice ahead of uh, next weekend's North London derby but no I mean it's good to see you know admitting that he, he wants to speak to a psychologist to help and improve and I think that's just the first step for him. Tottenham have a, a good player on the hands and everyone just wants to see uh, the best of Richarlison on the pitch going forward. Definitely. Are you taking your Richie banner with you this week? Yeah, I'll have the Brazilian flag in the press box. Don't worry about that. <laughs> He'll be waving it, <laughs> screaming, come on Richie! Today's your day. <laughs> right. Uh, it's only a short podcast today compared to usual because Ali is heading off to Hotspur Way uh, to speak yes. to Ange Postacoglu in his press conference. So as we're pretty much at the halfway stage, Ali, do you want to let everyone know about the benefits of using NordVPN? Absolutely. If you're not aware by now, the Golden Guest Talk Tottenham podcast is sponsored by NordVPN and you can use the service in a host of different ways to enhance your internet experience. NordVPN is the fastest VPN in the world and that means there's no buffering, no lagging and you can stream your favourite shows from anywhere in the world without your bandwidth throttling. It is a service I've used many, many times and will continue to use and used it long before Nord came on board the, the podcast with us. It is a terrific service. It helps you watch things abroad that maybe you couldn't watch normally because there's these silly restrictions on things you pay for and should absolutely be able to watch anywhere in the world at any time. Uh, you can do that. That mean, could mean sports. That could be movies, TV shows, whatever. Guess you could download billions and be able to watch that and, and know what a terrific show that is. Um, and also security-wise, it does help you to a great degree to to stop a lot of the the bad things if you're on a public Wi-Fi. Um, you know, at least trying to, to block people out who might be trying to take stuff off of your devices. Um, it is an incredibly useful service. And not only that, but the outlay on the NordVPN subscription is cheaper for you in the long run. That's because you can purchase streaming services or bookings from other countries at a much cheaper rate. For example, you could book flights from another country, uh, which could be cheaper as well, rather than booking them as if you're booking them from the UK. Uh, so it means you're paying out for Nord just a little bit, but you're saving money overall. And there's a whole host of other benefits from signing up to NordVPN, so why not give it a go? You can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus four additional months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Right. As I was saying, Ange Postacoglu will be speaking to the media at 1pm to preview Saturday's game against Sheffield United, but it will in fact be the second time we've heard from him this week because he was on Talk Sport on Tuesday. It was, I think, at the start Probably of the early week. in the week, yeah. Yeah, at the start of the week uh, to discuss all things Tottenham. You were having uh, a listen to Ange when he was speaking on their their show for about 15 minutes or so. Uh, impressed with what you heard from him? I think we always are. Yeah. <laughs> we always are. He just speaks so well. It's uh, 
He's such a natural speaker. Um, it is ridiculous, really, how well he speaks. And and it's, this has kind of been the theme behind the scenes at Spurs as well. Just everyone raving about the clear messages and the way he speaks to them. And um, from everywhere down as well. It's not even that. It's it's the, the first team as well, all the way down to the academy when he speaks to the coaches. Um, he's just a terrific kind of orator and he just knows how to get his message across. And this was another one. Um, this was another example of... I actually thought it started off a little bit generic. Um, if I, if I, I don't want to be too critical because we've all been there. We've all asked very generic questions. But it kind of... I guess this is the case when you're, you've got people maybe asking the questions who haven't been sat in, in the press conferences every week so they don't know what's already been asked. So it's absolutely understandable. They're, they're doing it for, for their new audience. Um, but then it actually started to get more and more interesting, I felt, as it as it got on. I thought some of the interesting bits that came out of it were the Carabao Cup stuff. They asked him if he had any regrets um, with the team he put out that day. Um, and he said, no, he didn't. He was very clear on that. He didn't have any regrets whatsoever. Um, he says, I want to create a club that has an opportunity to win things on a yearly basis. I'm not in this job desperate to win something just to win something because us winning a Carabao Cup and finishing 10th is not what I think this club is about. It's not dismissing the Carabao Cup. I want to win every game. Trust me, I was disappointed that night as well, but that's not the end game for me. It's not just about winning something for the sake of winning something. It's about building something. And that's what's always driven me my whole career. I want to build clubs that have sustainable success and supporters going to every season, feeling good about their prospects and wanting to watch their team play good football. There's two sides to that. One of them is... Why can't you have both? <laughs> I, I get that. I get. I do still believe that he didn't have to go nine changes. I think five or six would have been fine and still kept a, a fair bit of the momentum. But then I guess he will say, um, but if we're building something, I need to see more of these players in action. I need to see more of them trying to play my style of football. And, and to be completely fair, in pre-season, the second 11 were actually playing the better Postacoglu football. You know, in a lot of those second halves where he changed it up, you they were absolutely smashing teams. They were really I know obviously one of them was Lion City Sailors and things like that, but you know, in the in the other games, Barcelona and um West Ham on the on the opening one as well, and uh Shakhtar as well, there was a lot of times that the second eleven were actually the more fluid kind of postacoglu team. So that's probably what he thought was gonna happen. I don't think he anticipated it was like stepping back in time for a moment and seeing the, the Spurs that we didn't want to see anymore. So I kind of understand that, but I can also absolutely understand fans' frustrations that this was a good chance. And there's definitely a divide in fans that think like that, that you know it's more important about the overall progression. But there are a lot of fans who also think if you win that one trophy, can it be like a snowball effect? And, you know, we've seen it in the past with Mourinho. Wherever he would go, he would try to win whatever trophy first just to start the ball rolling of that cliche of the winning mentality. Um, although, I guess the caveat or the, or the one way to look at that Spurs would be you only have to look back to Wande Ramos, who won the Carling Cup, I think it was then. I don't remember what it was called. Um, and within a couple of months, Berbatov and Keane left and they were second from bottom in the league. It didn't have any kind of regenerative, regenerative effect on the, on the club or the squad. But, you know, I think it's one of these, unfortunately. It's very disappointing, but you've probably got to trust in uh, Postacoglu. And it's something, to be fair, that's very similar to what Pochettino used to say. Pochettino used to be exactly the same. He would even go as far to say the FA Cup. 
he didn't think actually winning the FA Cup would be a, a big change to the club. Um, the only thing I would say to that is Spurs just haven't won hardly anything in so long. Any trophy would be just such a major positive effect on the club. I don't think you can dismiss it that much. Yeah, uh, I obviously I understand where he's coming from. He wants to build something for the long run and be there, you know, year after year competing for all these trophies. But it's one of these, I know what he's saying. Uh, obviously, there's a difference between, because as winning the Carabao Cup and finishing 10th is not what I think this club is about. But, I mean, this is Tottenham. I think even if they'd won the Carabao Cup this season, they're still going to be in the fight for, you know, the top five, top six places in the Premier League. It's not like... Yeah, no disrespect to, you know, teams who are finishing 10th, 11th, say the likes of Brentford, Crystal Palace, whereas you could say that maybe is a bit of a one-off in the cup. Uh, but I know, I know where he's coming from and I think if Spurs won it, you're not going to dismiss the cup win, are you? Because no. you've not won the trophy for oh, so long. Oh, yeah. the silverware. Yeah, yeah, and... Like you said, it can be a snowball effect. Look at Chelsea yeah. when they won their <clears throat> first trophy in the Jose Mourinho. It was the League Cup. Yeah, the Premier League, the Champions League, the FA Cup all rank higher. And they were helped by a lot of Russian money. <laughs> yeah. For that one trophy, it might be the smallest one, the least glamorous, but it started yeah. something special at Chelsea and it became a snowball effect and instilled this winning mentality and they won the Premier League that season. They won the Premier League the year after. They've gone on to win Champions League, Europa League in the past. Uh, so hopefully the same will happen at, at Tottenham. I, I completely understand why he made the changes at Fulham. Uh, I wouldn't have gone as many as nine, but I think if he wants to have a look all these Tottenham players who were on the periphery of the side, then you can't do it in the cup rather than the Premier League. Uh, and I still think the Tottenham team he put out at Fulham was good enough uh, to go through yeah. on the night. But we and, say that every time, don't we? Yeah. We say that every time. Oh, that 11 was strong enough to do it and they just don't perform for some reason. Yeah, but at the end of the day, I mean, it's not like there was smash three or four nil. No, it was, it was a draw and they went to yeah. penalties and it's the look of the draw when it goes to penalties and I mean if they'd go through would you say his selection was then justified well that's it isn't it you're a penalty or two away yeah. from him being absolutely right yeah it's uh, it's just one of these but yeah I think Angie's definitely looking to build some up for the long run at Tottenham and they're making good steps already there's still plenty more to do and you know hopefully come the end of the year Tottenham will have a good run in the FA Cup and you know, fingers crossed, maybe get the hands on the trophy, but he's building something there that can see Tottenham in the, you know, coming years compete for trophies. And that's what they need to do because they've been going backwards over the past few years. And the weird thing is, is the thing, look, let's make this very clear. No one wants to be out of a cup. Absolutely no one wants to be out of a cup. You want to win a cup, especially a team like Spurs that desperately need to win trophies. But there is this kind of side effect that he will now have completely free weeks almost every week to work with his team and I guess for someone like Postacoglu who's trying to rip up and change an entire way a team of playing 
to have a full week every week before you're playing a game, getting his methodology and philosophy and ideas across to this team, I do think it's going to benefit them massively. Look, I would far rather, much rather be in the Carabao Cup still because I do think it's such a winnable competition, although probably Man City will end up going... Well, they're still in it, aren't they, presumably? They always play like a really strong team. Yeah, they've um, not even entered it yet. They're, of course they haven't. Yeah, next yeah, draft. That's it. I'm so confused by Spurs. Actually, classic Spurs, isn't it? You haven't played in the second round for years and they go out. Um, but yeah, I do feel like this kind of... The only positive side effect being these full weeks on the Hotspur Way training pitches... I think it gets the Postacoglu team to a, a better place quicker than it would have been. Um, and I think that's the only small positive you can take from it. And, you know, like we've said, in a, in a season when perhaps top five will get you a Champions League place, I don't think having that extra concentration on training ground time is going to be a bad thing at all. No, well, and the fact that... Not winning the cup. <laughs> Yeah, and the fact that they're only in two competitions now, surely they're going to go all out for the FA Cup and fingers crossed there will be a a kind draw in the third round come January. Right, moving on uh, to something else, what had Tottenham fans excited uh, this week was uh, what looks to be uh, the signing of a very talented 16-year-old from uh, Croatia, Luka Vuskovic. Uh, he's made his name for Hajduk Split. I think he played about eight times in the uh, Croatian League last season, helped them win the Croatian Cup. A number of big teams such as Man City, I think Chelsea, Liverpool and PSG have been looking to sign him and Spurs appear that they've won the race for his signature. Yes, it looks that way. Just very, very quickly, only in case people haven't, I do suggest people go and read. We put the transcript up of Postacoglu's uh, talks point of view. There were other little good bits, like spoke about Romero, uh, not disagreeing with Messi that he was one of the best in the world and how no one wants to train with him. He sounds very Eric Lamella-like, wear your shin pads in training kind of thing. Um, and he was also very good on Basuma and the chat he had with him pretty much the first day, I think, and telling him he could be a real leader and inspire the young kids. And then the next morning he was late <laughs> and he kind of told him, you can't be like that if you're going to be a leader. Um, and since then, apparently he's been superb with his timekeeping. Um, but yes, um, Luka Vuskovic. Um, I've never seen so many people get so excited about one of the youngest people I've ever seen linked with Tottenham Hotspur. It was a very strange evening. Um because I think there were genuinely a lot of people that thought he was the answer right now to the the team's defensive issues. It was like, goodbye, Eric Dyer. We've got Luka Voskovic. Um, and yeah, look, he is an incredibly talented young player. The real feeling that he's going to be one of the best in the world just in a couple of years' time, um, at least. Um, he is a unit. He's like six foot four. He is probably the, the tallest, most broad 16-year-old I've ever seen. Uh, it's one of those where you'd see him walking around like a sixth form or something and thinking, what? There's no way you're still in school. Um, but he is, he's got everything to be a Postacoglu centre-back as well. Hopefully, uh, Postacoglu is still there in two years' time, which will mean that everything's gone very well at Tottenham. Um, he's got, yeah, lovely kind of ability on the ball, good reading of the game. I saw uh, Josko Gvardiol uh, quotes about him saying that how he is going to be the next big thing. Um, and yeah, I mean, the way the, the FIFA rules work, uh, mean that Spurs can't, you can't any Premier League side because of 
the pleasures of Brexit, uh, cannot sign any um, foreign overseas players until they turn 18. So they're going to have to wait. Uh, I saw some suggestions, I think it was from the Croatian media, that he and his family are over here now sorting out the deal, or certainly have been. So we'll see. I don't even know whether Spurs announced something like that. I think it's one of those where it might just happen, that they don't really always announce academy deals. Uh, And presumably at this point, it would be an academy deal, although with the thinking that surely when he's 18, he comes into the first team squad. Um, And also, I wonder how it's going to work. Does he go back to Hadjik Split? Or does he end up getting loaned out somewhere else? Can they even do that? Do FIFA rules allow them to then put them out somewhere? Because it's it's all a bit kind of muddled thanks to yeah the, the rules. And there were actually changes in the rules as well. So, um, yeah, we'll find out a little bit more. But I don't know. I don't, I don't think Postacoglu will be asked about it. Because first off, if it's not done, he doesn't talk about them anyway. And second off... I can imagine him kind of saying, yeah, he's a kid. <laughs> and that's it. And that, that's kind of a subject over. Um, but yeah, very exciting for the future. And um, again, another player who eventually, presumably, then will become homegrown. Yeah, you'd think so, looking at the rules, yeah. because uh, he'll be there once he's 18. So that'll be the three seasons. Providing, of course, he's still a Tottenham player by the time he uh, does get to the age of 21. True. But a lot of competition for him, though. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the hope is that he will just improve in these 18 months or so until he turns 18 and he can uh, link up with Spurs. Not sure whether it'll be as soon as he joins 18 or will it be from the start of the 25-26 season? Yeah. We'll we'll have to wait and see. But obviously Spurs signing seems to be a a very talented player and they're clearly planning for the future because they've got a really young defence as it stands at the moment and adding uh, a 16-year-old who will eventually, fingers crossed, become uh, a first-team player for Spurs. And I think Man City earlier in the year, there's reports that they'd had a £10.2 million bid rejected for him. So it would be interesting to know what Spurs are paying for a 16-year-old. Yeah. That just shows where the game's going, doesn't it? Wow. It does. Right, ahead of tomorrow's game against Sheffield United, I think there's been what looks to be a bit of positive news on the training pitch. We will obviously find out what Ange Postacoglu says uh, in his press conference. He will confirm it, but of course, over the international break, there's always worries over players, whether they will pick up injuries or not. Son was pictured with an ice pack on his uh, knee. Thankfully, he did take part in uh, South Korea's game against Saudi Arabia. I think that was on Tuesday. Played well. Played well. Watched that game. Yeah. And then Christian Romero, I think everyone was holding the breath over him because he was... World's best defender. Yes, he was involved in Argentina's win over Ecuador uh, last week. Got player of the match award. Lionel Messi uh, declared him the best defender in the world, but there was uh, a report from Argentina saying he'd picked up uh, a minor leg injury and there was question marks over whether he'd be fit to play in their next match against Bolivia or he would potentially even return to uh, England. But he was pictured in training. I think the following day on the Saturday, he did start again uh, in the game against Bolivia and he was seen on the training pitch at Hotspur Way on Thursday, as was Son. And there was also uh, Rodrigo Bensonker, what was especially nice to see. But must clarify, 
Bentenko was just taking part in the warm-up. He's not back in full training with the first team just yet. But Tottenham did tweet uh, a video out of Bentenko doing individual work on the training pitch and given all the individual work he'll have been doing inside Hotspur Way uh, since February, I think that will come as a huge, huge boost for him just to have been able to take part in the warm-up with his teammates and then uh, to do some work on his own on the training pitch. So, yeah, I think as things stand, Ange Postacoglu said it would be a November return and I think that's what we're looking at for Benton Care. Yeah, I mean, injury rehab, especially, you know, cruciate ligament one, such a long time. It's such a lonely recovery period. Every football you ever speak to that's had one of those long-term injuries say it's the worst. Just being on your own with a member of the kind of medical staff or, or sports science staff, he says, it's. they always say it's just, it's a horrible kind of, that's the real kind of mental challenge for them during that period. So to get back out on the grass with the rest of the squad, even just for the warm-up, is just huge. And it's, it shows he's on the road now. Um, just thinking about the Romero thing. It's classic Spurs that he has a little injury, plays the full 90 minutes in the next game, has a horrendous challenge on him about half an hour, just over half an hour in, which gets the other guy sent off the Bolivian player. Honestly, it studs right into his ankle. It was not a nice challenge. And I can imagine him waking up the next morning. He played the rest of the game, obviously, but I can imagine him the re- next morning thinking, looking at his ankle and thinking, Ouch, that's 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 not in a good way. But like you say, seemed to be pictured in training. So did Giovanni Lacelso as well. So hopefully that looks like he's back and, and ready to play. Um and yeah, with the Sonny stuff was just mad. It was like one photo and suddenly everything goes crazy about him. And I saw people claiming the photo was fake and old and all this sort of stuff. It's like, no, no, they, they were training at Newcastle. I think that the Newcastle background fooled people. It was a bit like, no, look, it's before a Premier League game. It's like, no, no, no. They were training there. That was where the match was. <laughs> they were playing at St. James's Park. Um, fingers crossed. The, the international break, there's always little kind of, it's more the hidden things you don't know about, the little knocks and, and fitness things that you're not aware of that you come back. But potentially, fingers crossed, if they come back in a good physical state, there was a lot of positives kind of performance-wise, I think. You, I mean, Decky went away. Kulisevsky got a goal and two assists across his two games. Hoybier is a scoring machine at the moment for Denmark. He scored in both games. I think one of them was a winning goal. Um, like I say, Sonny played very well um, in his second game as well. Uh, Mana Solomon, I think, did pretty good, uh, pretty well as well. Vicario didn't play, but again, it's more experience getting away with Italy for him. Um, James Madison was woefully used by Southgate in that first game. He's the one that I think we'll have the we'll see the opposite of like he used him pretty much as a striker for much of the game. It was such a weird role for him to play, and I think he'll come back to Spurs and just be like, "This is what I want to play. This is how I want to play. Look at how I can be in the right position." And I think that's a good thing for Spurs as well. Um, and to be honest, I, that's kind of how I felt in this international break. In the past, it's been a real kind of escape. Um, from how I've never liked them, but it's still been escaped from the way Spurs are playing. Whereas right now, I was looking at the way a lot of the international teams play, and I'm just like, I want to get back to Tottenham football. It's so much better. Um, and obviously, we'll have that tomorrow with the visit of Sheffield United. Yeah. So finally, before we wrap things up on today's podcast, uh, the Sheffield United game. I mean, you're thinking after that brilliant 5-2 win at Burnley, surely he sticks with the same team. I think Manor Solomon deserves to keep his place at the team, quite frankly. Frankly, after 
two assists at Turf Moor. I wouldn't be moving Sonny from the central role, especially after a hat-trick. But now uh, Ange Postacoglu has Brendan Johnson uh, to consider for selection. For me, I think he starts on the bench, uh, obviously just returning from international break uh, earlier this week following Wales duty. So he's not going to have uh, that many training opportunities under Ange Postacoglu. But then again, he didn't stop him starting Mickey van der Ven at Brentford. True. Absolutely true, yeah. Uh, I'm still going with my Brennan Johnson debut goal. I think he's going to come off the bench and score. Um, but yeah, he played a fair bit of football over the break. I think he only played the first half against South Korea for Wales, but then I think he played most, if not all, of the second game um, for them. So yeah, he'll be in a good place physically, hopefully, as long as he didn't pick up any knocks. Um, obviously, he played with Forrest throughout the start of the season, so he's kind of in that spot where he's raring to go, hopefully. Um yeah, I think you keep the same thing. As long as everyone's fit and able to play, I think you need to build that momentum because, let's be honest, there's a very big game coming straight after. And that international break, you don't want it to have killed the momentum of what had come before. You need to kind of quickly rediscover it. And if they can do that, although I still have my fears that the Arsenal game has come too early in the Postacogu tenure, um, but if you can keep that momentum going, then I think, yeah, stick with that eleven get him playing the kind of football because we also had Basuma his second game uh, with Marley was rained off which isn't the first time they've had a couple of those over recent years because I know I've been writing about them. Um, that was rained off after they played I'm not sure how long they played but it, it got abandoned so he physically should be in a good place as well Madison only played what 60 minutes of the first game or so didn't play the second game um, Pap Matasar I'm trying to think did he get that many minutes i can't remember now either way that midfield three should be pretty fresh and that's the engine room of the team so yeah stick with it stick with the 11 and it should hopefully on paper our favorite expression have too much for sheffield united yeah right we'll leave that there for today's latest episode of golden guest top tottenham uh we'll be back next week to discuss the sheffield united game and then Obviously, look ahead to the first North London derby of the season at the Emirates Stadium. So, thank you for listening and just keep with us at football.london for all your latest Tottenham news. To grab our huge discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash goldguest. You can receive an extra four months of free and there's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. You can find the link in the episode description box.